I V M. You are listening to the Signal Daily, brought to you by Front Page Studios. Okay, let me start with a question. What is the absolute first thing you do when you roll out of bed after a solid night's sleep? For one, I check my mail, scroll through a reel or hundred, and maybe stare at the ceiling for a good five minutes. Of course, after some time, I have to get myself out of the bed and brush my teeth. Pretty standard morning routine, isn't it? But apparently, not everyone is as mundane as I am. At least the people who have strapped on their wrist devices that track their sleep are far more interesting, because the first thing they do after waking up is check their sleep score. That is how well they slept throughout the night. And well, while they are at it, some of them are even losing sleep over the question of whether they are maximizing their sleep potential. For example, Mike Skerritt, who is a television writer in Los Angeles, told the Wall Street Journal that he tapes his mouth shut to max out his sleep score on Whoop's app. Whoop is a band that Mike wears to measure his workout and his sleep statistics. In another case, a marketing consultant in Chicago told the newspaper that occasionally, if she is having trouble sleeping, she stresses about getting a low score. And I'm quoting her here. A few times, I've even taken the ring off in the middle of the night just so I don't have to see a low score. Damn! Now that's a little too much. Scientists have even come up with a term for this anxiety about optimizing sleep. They're calling it orthosomnia. To get more perspective on this, we have with us our founder Rajneel Kamat, who is also into sleep measuring devices. We asked him, "Is tracking your sleep worth orthosomnia?" So I use a sleep tracking device. I use the Aura Ring as well as the Apple Watch. The Apple Watch is a little uncomfortable to wear while sleeping, so the Aura Ring is always on me, and it's useful to understand uh, what my sleep patterns look like. I'm someone who's always had disturbed sleep, so understanding what are the various parameters and metrics that will help me sleep better, longer, and make me feel more fresh the next day is something I'm constantly looking forward to. Um, Orthosomnia is what scientists are calling, which is the anxiety about optimizing sleep. No, I'm not trying to optimizing. I'm not trying to optimize my sleep. I'm just trying to sleep well and understand patterns that will help me sleep better. But if you ask me, I'm a world class insomniac. In fact, you should be losing your sleep to Netflix or parties, not for some bland sleep statistics. For the next few minutes, you're going to know a little more than you did yesterday from the world of technology, business, policy, and anything that leaves you with food for thought. Hello, I'm Manaswini, and for today's edition of the Signal Daily, we are replugging two of our timeless stories. Seven years ago, on the TEDx stage, American biochemist Jennifer Doudna was talking about her groundbreaking invention of CRISPR-Cas9. which the new yorker described as the single most transformative biological technology of the 21st century think of crispr cas9 as a pair of molecular scissors actually no magical scissors that reliably cut specific bits of dna inside genes with incredible precision in her talk doudna used a mouse example basically she said tweak one gene and mice with black coats turn white She then declared and I'm quoting 
I think that we will see clinical application of this technology in humans, certainly in adults, within the next 10 years. Well, the world has kept Doudna's promise and how. We are still two and a quarter years short on her 10-year projection. Not only has CRISPR been used to edit genes in humans during clinical trials for cancer, blindness, sickle cell anemia, and HIV AIDS, but even the next generation of CRISPR technology has made its clinical trial debut. So yes, on September 5th, biotech company Beam Therapeutics announced that for the first time, a human had been treated using immune cells with four quote-unquote base-edited genes. Scientific journal Nature noted that this trial is testing more complex genome edits than those previously performed in humans. Which begs the question, what makes base editing more complex than CRISPR genome editing? To figure it out, we'll have to first understand how CRISPR-Cas9 works. Now recall your biology class, where you were taught that DNA is the blueprint for making all living things. It influences the shape of your eyes, the color of your skin, and sometimes the likelihood of getting a disease. Now using a gene editor like CRISPR-Cas9, doctors can insert new sequences in our DNA that change inherited traits or remove genes that cause hereditary diseases. CRISPR is a combination of DNA-cutting protein called Cas9, which was first discovered in the early 2000s when scientists were studying the immune response of bacteria to viruses and a guide molecule. This guide molecule is often compared to a bloodhound because it literally takes CRISPR on the hunt to specific sites within the genome. Now, of course, scientists have to first identify this specific site before programming CRISPR and its guide molecule. Once it reaches the targeted site, the protein cuts the cell's DNA on the spot, which completely disables the targeted gene. The cell then repairs the DNA by simply patching up the break caused by CRISPR's molecule scissors or by putting in a new DNA sequence that our bloodhound carried with it. So this is how CRISPR edits genes. While this is an incredibly precise technology, there are a few problems. First, Scientists and doctors really don't have any control over how the cell repairs its DNA. Second, Cas9 cuts both strands of the DNA, which increases the probability of mistakes when the cell's DNA repair machinery kicks in. Plus, here super precise base editing differs. For starters, unlike CRISPR-Cas9, base editing does not involve breaking DNA strands. Rather, this technology employs a modified Cas protein which directly changes a single letter in the DNA code without causing too much disruption. And while CRISPR can be practically used only for a single edit in a cell, base editing, according to Nature, has opened the door to creating multiple edits in the same cell. And as I said earlier, base editing has also entered a clinical trial to treat a form of leukemia. If successful, this trial will serve as a gateway to more complex DNA edits in the future. Now, since scientists are getting better at genome editing, and that too rapidly, it serves everyone to repeat the warnings. So while it is tempting that we start genome editing right at the embryo level to produce the so-called designer babies, the time for that idea hasn't arrived yet. But we do have three edited babies growing up in China. Lula, Nana, and Amy. And the scientist who edited out HIV genes from their DNA was very rightfully sentenced in China for irresponsible medical practices. 
And why was that the case? Because the world still doesn't know the long-term effects of editing genes. And unlike editing genes of an adult, which can't be passed on, editing done at embryo level is hereditary. So if scientists end up creating a dangerous DNA sequence, it will stay forever. To get an idea of risks of editing genes, well, for your information, the same gene that creates a receptor for HIV also helps protect the body from West Nile virus and the flu. So basically, science is complicated and the world should get a full grasp of it before going about producing the so-called designer babies. If you like listening to The Signal Daily, please show us some support. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'd love to hear what you have to say about this podcast. So feel free to shoot an email at hello at the rate the signal.co. The Signal Daily is produced in association with IBM. The episode was written and researched by Anoop Semwal, edited by Dinesh Narayanan, produced by me, mastered and mixed by Manas and Nirvan. You can catch this podcast every morning on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Prime Music, Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are the signal.co on Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter.